This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This is the Besotted Pride of West London. Podcasts. We're coming to you on the eve of Leeds United, coming down to New Griffin Park. The last time they came down to New Griffin Park, last game of the season, and it went very well for Leeds. Didn't go quite as well for the Mighty Mighty Bees, but doesn't matter because we're back here. New season, new match, new match-up, as they say. I'm Billy Grant, and like I said to you, I'm sitting here in the virtual joint because uh, I've been in the pub far too much the last few days, so I had to withdraw. And in the virtual joint, I'm sitting here with my man Laney. Laney, how are you? I'm good, mate. Yeah, busy, busy Thursday and uh, transfer deadline day today. So, um, and then we've got another game, as you said, on the horizon. They come thick and fast this week, so it's uh, yeah, it's all good. That's to look forward to. That's right. Much to look forward to. Um, like I said to you, we normally put our podcast out first thing on Thursday morning, but having a game against Palace on Tuesday night, it shifts things a little bit. Plus, we had transfer deadline day. We thought, tell you something, let's record just a little bit later to see if there's going to be any activity because there is a few, few. There's a bit of smoke actually on the horizon, wasn't there, Lane? There's a bit of smoke, wasn't there? Yeah, there was. Yeah, I mean, some of the smoke doesn't look like it's going to kind of bellow our way. So um, you know, the, the the big the big transfer that we never know. Yeah, the window has not slammed shut yet. There's still time. But I don't don't think that one's going to happen. But there's been you know a couple of other fairly significant outgoings. Well, you know, one one fairly significant one, and one kind of one we've all kind of expected. So uh, yeah, it's, 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 we've, we've done all our business early, haven't we? Really. So it's just obviously just making sure that we trim down the squad and we've got players that are happy and they're not sitting on the bench when they need to be playing and stuff. So it's a couple of outgoing low knees, Bill. Low knees indeed. So yeah. So listen, we've got quite a lot um, on the podcast for you today. You know what we've got? We've got JB. You know with his facts and his funk. Of course, we're going to be listening to the fans after the Everton game and also the Crystal Palace game as well. Directly after the game, we'd like to hear their thoughts. And then we've got Darren from the LS Eleven Leeds podcast, who's going to be giving us the lowdown on Leeds United. But just coming back to transfer deadline day, Laney. Um, this is our first. Premier League transfer deadline day, our first ever Premier League sort of transfer window. I'm going to ask you, does it feel 
different because it it doesn't feel as sort of frantic as it has done in the past. I don't know if that's just a general thing or if it's just a Premier League thing for us. We seem to have done sort of quite a bit of business early in the day. Now I don't know if we've done it early because we're a Premier League team now, so players actually want to come to us finally uh, because we actually stayed in the Premier League, or whether or not it's just kind of no one's really doing any business. Or if it's the fact that because Nottingham Forest have actually brought up all the players, so there's no players to buy anymore. Uh, really, I thought it was our third Premier League transfer window. But, um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, yeah. But, but well, okay. But, but it's our first one this 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 August, this isn't it? Yeah. This, this summer. <laughs> first one this summer. Yeah. That's right. Um, yeah, but it's it's been. I think it's been a you know a, a really impressive window for us. We've, we've set our stall out. We've we've spent some significant money. Uh, we've kind of addressed um, areas in in the in the squad that we were we rely on. Um, I still think you know the DOFs and the you know the you know the fans would like to see uh, probably a little bit more pace um, on 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 the left side. You know. Um, uh, or, or certainly up front, giving giving a bit more cover for the for, for um, Ivan Tony if he gets injured. But that's 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 not that's not really a problem, you know. Um, Wiesa, he's he's proven himself to be a sub rather than a starter. We've got you know KLP, he's, he's getting more and more time. Um, he's only going to get stronger. So that's kind of probably the left-sided situation sorted out for this season. Um, and yeah, we, we we seem to be solid pretty much everywhere. I think if we want to push on to the next level or incrementally get better this season, we've we've done enough to to, to do that. Um, we just need to kind of yeah, just kind of look around us and see what some of our competitors, the way you know the way they've been spending money and what what they what they what they're getting for that money. And I think once you compare ourselves to some of the similar similar position clubs, we seem to have got a lot for our money. You know. We've got you know, um, got Damsgaard as well, which is a, a landmark signing. We were obviously all wondering what was going to happen after Christian Eriksen had vacated the building. Uh, you know, the stereotype is Brentford were going to struggle without him. Um, it doesn't look like we're doing that. It looks like we're thriving without him. Um, you know, the, the Man United game was was a wake up call for a lot of those pundits to show that we we, we weren't a one one man team. Um, and then we've got people like Aaron Hickey. Um, you know, we'll talk about in a bit. Cause, you know, they're they're really sort of getting their 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 feet under the table now, and they're they're they're, they're really starting to sort of like show their their full range of skills. Um, and all the all the you know the money that we've spent on them looks looks like money well spent. So um, yeah, it's been a from from my perspective, it's been a a, a really exciting and really really impressive uh, window. I don't know about you, Bill. Uh, I think it's good because I feel comfortable coming out of this window. You know, I've had quite a few interviews, uh, quite a few sort of kind of press interviews as well, where they've asked us, you know, what do I think? You know, I, am I happy with Brentford's progress from last season into this season? Do I think that we're going to get relegated? How do I think we're going to do? And I'm saying actually, you know, I'm, I think that we're actually a stronger side than we are last season. And again, it's not a disrespect for the players we had last season. I think the players we had last season did very well and got us to where we are now. And it's also given them a platform where they can go to, you know, if they're going to move on, they'll go to further places. But, you know, instead of going on to, and again, not disrespecting a team, but going to, you know, AFC Wimbledon or, you know, going to, you know, to, to Ipswich, you know, you might be going to a team, you know, high up in the championship 
or maybe lower Premier League or maybe going abroad to a team which got a bit of a profile as well. So that's all helped that. So it's it, everyone's sort of kind of gaining out of this. So Brentford, I think for me, like I said to you, picking up the players that we picked up has definitely got us to another level. You know, Aaron Hickey is, you know, we, you know we'll talk about him. When we talk about the Palace game, but he's looking like he is starting to. Uh, he, he, he knows the names of his uh, his teammates now, which is a good thing. Like you know, so that's uh, that's good, and you can see in the way that he plays, like you know, which is which is good. You know, KLP Keen Lewis Potter is still finding his feet as such. You know, you know the argument is going to be is who is the uh, impact player off the bench? You know, is it KLP? Is it Wisa? I think we'll probably be rotating between the two for the next six months to find out. You know what the right combination is, but you know he's still getting game time in the league that. He he was definitely very, very, you know, a million miles away from last season. So, look, I'm, I'm happy with um, with what they've done. Um, as we speak now, because we're recording on the Thursday of transfer deadline day, it, the deal's not done. Brentford may have more players by the time you listen to this, um, but we have to. We can only talk about what we know now and what we've heard on the uh, on the besotted grapevine as well. You know, saying that we are probably there or thereabouts. Uh, but if something might sneak in at the last moment, you know. Um, and talking about sneaking at the last moment, um, you know, and talking about speed as well, and talking about pace in the side. I mean, we're going to talk about one player, Mudrik, who is one player that we have been going on about for quite a while. And he's the player that he's almost into Brentford. Oh, no, he didn't quite happen. Oh, yeah, he's, oh, no, he's not happening. It's just yo-yoing to and fro. Um, I think all the problems or... Okay, I wouldn't say problems because it sounds like you know somebody on the other side is giving us grief. But all the all the reasons why it hasn't gone how it's supposed to is, I think it's financial mainly. It's the, it's the deal of the uh, of the of the of the president of Shakhtar where they just want to make as much money as possible. And the way it works in in Ukraine, basically they make money. They don't make any TV money. They don't make any money from the leagues. They don't get any of that 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 money does not exist in the Ukraine. What they do is that you get into Europe. And you get money there, you get TV money from the Europe, and then also you get money by inflating the prices of your players and selling them big. So when the price is big, they sell big. So that, you know, these teams will sell at one stage if the price is right. And Shakhtar Donetsk, for whatever reason, you know, maybe it's because they had Arsenal sniffing around, but maybe Arsenal didn't come in for him. They're probably thinking, we feel that we can get even more money because we saw how much they sold, they bought Ben White for and how much they're going in for, you know, um, all sorts of characters, you know what I'm saying? You know, uh, 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 how much money they pay for all sorts of characters. So maybe they think they can get a good watch out of, uh, out of Arsenal. So they're, they're holding back, which is a bit of a shame because if you look at this player... He is the type of player that we would need. And the rumours that we've, you know, put our record bid of 30 million in for him, which is very non-Brentford, um, old school Brentford. But as I said to you, Christian Eriksen coming into our side, we, we, I think we've seen exactly the type of player which will take us to another level. And I think if we find that type of player, we're willing to put our, you know, put our, you know, put our neck on the line as such. But it looks like Shakhtar are trying to try and get more. And it, it moved from, you know, we put in 15 million last January and they wanted 20 you know and then they said oh, and then they'd shut up shop no we're not going to sell and now they've gone from 20 to 30 to whatever and some people are saying 50 and it's kind of like it's a, it's a never moving feat and I suppose for Shakhtar at one stage they're going to have to twist or you know or stick 
and they keep on twisting at the time and and and, and they were almost on a bit of a fluffer as well because obviously when the war took place the price crashed because all of a sudden it's like you know players values went down but they've managed to kind of you know maintain and again it's a good thing for the clubs because you don't want them to be ripped off as such so they've managed to maintain the value by kind of keeping hold of the player and, and the values come back into the marketplace um, and they're trying to get as much of it as they can but as I say you never know what might happen they may decide that you know whatever five ten minutes before the deadline actually we just need to cash in and Bill Giles gets a, a quick phone call and and they're done Laney yeah well you know that is that would be an incredible bit of business you know I've seen the clips of him I, I you know I saw some of the games in the, the qualifiers for the World Cup um, he, he, he played a part in that he's obviously young he's fast very skillful player, someone that we can come in and, and, and improve. Having him in the Premier League will will kind of elevate us even further. I mean, what what this window has shown us is Brentford are kind of a very very different Brentford to the one that was even you know this time last year, let alone three years ago, let alone five years ago. You know, th- we're we're spending the amount of money now that's required to get you know significantly quality players. You know, th- these aren't just. Um, potential from lower leagues who we could turn you know these are top flight ready in in a lot of cases you know we 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 still will take a punt on 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 a bargain probably but the these are these are kind of like opportunities where we're setting we we've made a we've made a statement really that we're confident that we're not going anywhere for the foreseeable future which you know on two on two scores is 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 brilliant for the fans it means that we're going to um without taking anything at all for granted we're going to you know be be getting incrementally better year on year um, in terms of the squad and what we can expect and what we can hope and you know when we when we come up against the bigger clubs uh, instead of looking to not lose we can look to win you know and it, it's it's kind of it's it's significant it's it's a, it's a turning point in our club's history I think Bill yeah definitely I mean incomings as well there's always been a rumor about this was a shard from Freiburg as well, who is, uh, I think he's injured at the moment now. I, I know he didn't play it in his game the other day where they, they had an, I can't remember what it was, I think that they had an XG, again, you know, if you know about XG, they had an XG of over five, I think it was. They had a ridiculous amount of chances in the box, really good, high quality chances. So Freiburg and the next, and like I said, next year of like 5.2 or 5.9, it was ridiculous. And they won their game 1 0. Like, you know, so it's one of those kind of like the antithesis to the Birmingham game where Birmingham H- literally... XG nonsense, Bill. That's, that's nonsense. right, that's right. So, uh, so yeah, so maybe maybe it's because uh, was it this Shard or whatever his name is. Maybe, uh, I don't he's, know. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe he's not injured enough. Maybe he's not injured enough for us. Because, you know, maybe he's in a, a, a worse condition for us to want to wanna buy him. Well, that's true, actually. So, you know, he, like I said to you, he wasn't playing for that game and maybe they needed him in that game to actually put those balls in the back of the net. And maybe that's up to his price again. He, he's actually up to his price by not playing for them. Like, you know, so, uh, so I don't know whether or not he's just going to appear you know, on a Brentford treatment table instead of a, instead of a Freiburg treatment table instead. Mm. Um, and we will find out at the end of this window. Um, so we should say, so that's, a, that's an interesting one. So there's a player sort of kind of coming in, rumours in and out. There's, a, there's been a few players going out though, isn't there, Laney? Yes, there have been. Yeah, we've you know Halil Devasoglu was was a player that we've talked about on the podcast quite a bit in the last 
few weeks saying, you know, he's back. He's like, he returns every summer like, like the swallows and the swifts and he, he comes back and then he's, he's busy for a bit and then he buggers off somewhere else and we don't really see a lot of him. So he's a player that's kind of been in and around the first team squad but I don't think any, any fan has really had enough opportunity to kind of really... You know, know him too intimately, and what he what his potential is. Um, interesting that the club they just push him out on loan again. They don't they don't seem to really want to sell him because um, I'm sure there's a you know there's a, that, that that's an option for them as well. So I think you got to create value for him. You got to create value. Yeah, you, I think know? I think so. Yeah, I think we have to. Got, yeah, I mean that's 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 a perfect you know that's a perfect sort of uh, summing up of, of of your situation. So he's gone off to Burnley. Um, for uh, until January, I believe. I'm not sure it's a season-long loan. I think it's a, a short-term loan. So we might we might be pushing him out so he gets minutes in the championship, gets gets match fit, gets match sharp, gets some goals under his belt, and we've got that option to bring him back in January um, or sell him in January, depending on 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 you know what he wants to do, what we want to do. The one that's not been confirmed. As as yet, but we're hearing that um, Masbeck Sorensen is going to Olympic Nice, OCG Nice, which is uh, a kind of a landmark loan. We're not sending him back to AFC Wimbledon. He is going to one of the biggest clubs in France. And um, uh, OCG Nice have other players that you probably know about. You probably know lots of them, but the ones that stand out for me, Kasper Schmeichel, we know, um, you know, moved from Leicester to, sorry, and Leicester to Nice during the summer. And Leicester, uh, and Leicester <laughs> yeah. Aaron, Aaron Ramsey, um, you know, the ex-Arsenal player, uh, and Joe Bryan, um, who, who was at Fulham. So there's there's kind of like, there's some familiar-ish um, names um, at, at Nice, but you know, he's, if, if he if he gets minutes and if it happens, they've got um, they've got Monaco on Sunday night. So it's kind of a kind of a high-profile opportunity, and it's you know for me, you know, I think Mads Beck has had a had a kind of a, a, a very yeah shaky start to the to the season. He wasn't he wasn't his strongest. He did have moments last year. To the back end of last year, where I thought, right, this this guy's the real deal now after his injury, and he got called up into the Danish national, like the first team, into the squad for the summer fixtures. Um, and it's, but it's a big it's a big opportunity to him if he can get um, his form back and he can get um, game time, he could be in that World Cup squad that goes to Qatar um, uh, in in the winter. So yeah, I you know we wish him well. He's, he's a good lad. He's done he's done nothing wrong at Brentford. He's he's, he's matured. He's grown from a kid into a man, and now and now he needs to get um, some some game time. And you know, he, he, I know that the you know the DOFs and the coaches they they rate him, and they've got a lot of time for him. And you know, I'm sure he'll be back, and hopefully he's back stronger and uh, even better than he was towards the tail end of last year. Okay, so this is good luck to them. Like I said, transfer window. We will find out what happens by the end of the day today. Um, but. Listen, whatever happened the transfer window today, it doesn't affect what happened last weekend and also on Tuesday. We're going to go back and we're going to talk about the Everton game and the Crystal Palace game after this break. So, Brentford versus Everton on Saturday and even Stevens. So, between Everton, um, two wins to us 
and a draw. So uh, that's not a bad record for a team with uh, such a history, as they'd say. And then Everton came to Brentford and they came with uh, one aim, really, is to just get anything out of this game. And they, they went ahead um, quite annoyingly, I would say. You know, was it 20, 25 minutes into the game with a... With a but again, it's one of those situations which is really annoying. The aerial attack that teams do on us where we, we seem to sometimes get caught out on. They caught us out on that. And the golden boy, Gordon, you know, slotted the ball into the corner. They went ahead. And then after that, um, there was all sorts of time wasting going on, wasn't there, Lady? Yeah, there was. Yeah, it was It was, It was. was proper time wasting. Yeah, it was It was real negative mindset. I, I spoke to one of my um, Everton authors. Um, uh, he, he wrote a brilliant book called Making the Grade. He, he, he was an apprentice at Goodison. Um, I think it was 1970 or 71 when they won the title and he was in and around uh, the first team, like cleaning boots and making cups of tea. So it's an excellent book. Um, and, you know, he, he's a season ticket holder. He always has been. Um, and we, we speak a fair bit. And uh, he was he was almost as embarrassed about his team as, as I was. And I said, you know, we we expect you know coming up to this division. I know I know there's always a lot of kind of you look at the name and you know you you kind of work out how how big a team is based on you know uh, things that aren't anything to do with what you know their players really or the form. You know, oh, they're a big club. Um, but I just expected so much more from Frank Lampard's Everton. You know, they 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 looked like they had relegation uh, blinkers still on. That they they grabbed the lead and and they started protecting it from from you know half an hour in. And yeah, I know I know away from home. You know, I, I know all of those things because we did it. You know, a, a couple of times last season, where by hook or by crook, you you hold on to the to the lead and you kind of protect what you've got. Uh, um, but we're in a. I would have thought we were in a very different situation to Everton, um, and they did it again um, at Leeds uh, on Tuesday night. You know, the Leeds fans and Jesse Marsh and they were they were they were going going crazy that you know after taking the lead, it was almost deja vu. Gordon put them put them one up, uh, and you know Lampard was asked on the on the press conference that I saw um, about time wasting, and he kind of looks a little bit like nose put out that anyone could accuse him and his team of time wasting but then he, he flipped it back and said oh you know the Leeds supporters they weren't giving the ball back quick enough you know they're obsessed they're you know, which they are um but you know um the, the, he, he tried to flip it and in a kind of he tried to be clever and he, and he wasn't it just looks it looks like it looked pub teamy you know it's it's you do they've got enough score they've got enough skill and enough experience and enough quality in that team still with the right might with the right game plan um to 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 do much better than that and i just thought you know i was delighted to get something out of uh, saturday's game bill because at one stage i thought this is the ultimate frustration like that birmingham city game first game of the season they get a chance they take it and there's no way back for us I'm, i was just really mighty relieved to avoid that yeah i mean if you i mean i'm just flicking here and looking at 538 if we look at every now and again it's the it's the it's the predicted league table done by the statisticians 
as well, who are normally sort of, well, I don't say relatively spot on, because last season they had Nottingham Forest sort of kind of near the bottom, and obviously they got promoted in the end. But as it is, like I said, on the current form, Everton still, they've predicted them to be still in the bottom three at the end of the season, along with Nottingham Forest, with Bournemouth at rock bottom. Like, you know, so, and, you know, 38 points, which uh, which is about six points clear, uh, 30 and 40, four points clear of actually fourth place, which they said is going to be fourth and bottom, which is going to be Wolves. Now, this is this is the beginning of the season and anything can happen, but it's interesting, you know, how they see maybe the way that they're playing, you know, kind of like, you know, the goals that they're scoring, the way that they're playing, whether or not they're, you know, putting the balls in the, back, in the back of the net the way that they should be. I don't know and predict it. If they carry on doing this for the end of the season and everyone else carries on like they are, then Everton aren't kind of really been proving. So maybe, um, and this is a big question. I mean, I was asked again at the beginning of the season on the Observer who I thought was going to be the first manager to get sacked, and I've got that completely wrong actually because I didn't see Scott Parker going, even though I, I predicted them to be bottom. I think it was. Um, I put Frank Lampard, and uh, and no, it's actually Scott Parker has gone. So um, Everton have got a bit of work to do this season, looking at what happened, how they played against us, and also how they played against Leeds from what I can gather as well where apparently Leeds weren't very good in the first half but in the second half they picked it up a bit and uh, I think Leeds fans all said that they were quite surprised by the you know your Leeds mate said as well but also you know my Leeds mate said they were surprised by the by the time wasting by the Everton and you know maybe I don't know for them you know transfer window are they are they doing business are they going to be any different in you know, a week or two's time than they are now? Are they strengthening? Are they struggling to strengthen? I don't know what's happening, you know. Gordon, is he going to go? Is he not going to go? It doesn't sound like he's going to go. Yeah, but I mean, Everton, listen, I've got no idea where they're going to be going this season. And we're not talking about Everton now. I mean, we're talking about the Everton game, okay? Um, but it, it, it did surprise me. I'll tell you what surprised me most about this Everton game is we went into that match and a lot of people were expecting us to win, Right, which kind of shows you where we've come. Then a lot of people also were really worried that a lot of people expected us to win. They said that we need to kind of level ourselves down a little bit because we've got to remember where we come from and it's not really important. And then when we went to the game, there were some people that were really gutted that we didn't win, right, after Mm. the match. But then on the other side, there were a lot of people that they went back to the pub and they just had a drink and they had a bit of a laugh and a chat. And they just thought, oh, this is um, this is just great. We just drew against Everton, and you know, it's just one of the things. What's the next game? And it kind of reminded of of when we were in sort of mid third division, and you used to turn up to Brentford to go and watch football, and just have a laugh, meet your mates beforehand, have some drinks, go and see a game, be entertained by the game, or maybe not entertained by the game, and go home and just be really content and happy. And yeah. you know, there was none of this top table or bottom table stuff. It was just this is my existence to go and watch football and just enjoy it and uh, and that's kind of what the Everton game felt like which it's almost like it seems like a sort of kind of mid-table kind of we're comfortable where we are does that make sense Laney? Yeah it does make sense it, it, I, th- I don't think we're quite at that stage yet where we can look at uh, uh, an opponent and go we're gonna we're gonna win this. We you know we don't I don't think we've got that consistency or that kind of um, the quality that's just there on tap the whole time. I think I think every single victory depends on 
a lot of factors. And that might be stating the obvious, but I think at this level, every single team is capable of really hurting you. And I think if if all your chances go in, if all our chances go in on, on Saturday, we, we've got a handsome victory on our hands again, like we did against Man United. That didn't happen. So when that doesn't happen, I think you kind of, you, we can take, I think we can take comfort in that, in the fact that last year, I, I believe we would have lost that game. And I, I think last year we would have lost the Leicester game and last year we probably would have lost the Crystal Palace game. I know we, we'll talk about Palace in a minute. but I, So they're the improvements that I can see. I think we can be more confident that our team have got the quality to be in most games all of the time. Whether there's a point or three points there then depends on how well they mark, mark Ivan Tony, how, how uh, clinical or otherwise Brian and Bumo is. If we've got Wiesa coming off the bench or starting, um, if anyone fancy anyone else is going to wade in with a goal, if Norgard's going to hit the, hit the bar again, um, or he's going to, you know, like he did at uh, Fulham, he's going to he's going to hit the back of the net. There's a lot of factors, but what my, my my main point is that I think we can be more confident of picking up more points through the season. We have got better. But I just don't think we're at that level yet where we can just look at Everton and go, we're going to win that, and we turn up and we do win that. Like, like say, like Leicester were doing, like, and Leicester. like and Leicester and Leicester were doing three or four years ago. They had that extra wow factor where, although they weren't the this not not the year they won the title, but subsequent seasons where they still had, you know, players that are probably further along their journey than ours are currently. I think maybe next year hopefully we'll be in that position where we can take a little bit more for granted when we turn up when when an out of form Everton turn up and we go we're going to bit we're going to win on Saturday because our players are at that level yet. We're, we're moving in the right direction though. Yeah. So in that match Brentford we created a high number of chances relative to our possession and also were effective at creating goal scoring opportunities from the set pieces. We were poor at finishing as well and we're going to talk about the XG in a minute you know we take through the middle and also we crossed the ball a lot um, Everton they stole the ball from us a lot and also created goal scoring opportunities through through balls they didn't have any weaknesses in that game particularly attack down the right had a high shot frequency when in possession and favoured through balls um, annoyingly Tarkowski actually had a good game in defence and he could have actually scored against us which was quite bad um, as well you know a Tarkowski sh- strike man like you know what I'm saying um, Norgard great game as well Raya as as well, good game. Ben Mee as well. We could talk about these players who had, a, who, had a, who had a great game as well. But the interesting player, you know, I think we should talk about just for a little bit is that's Anthony Gordon because he's a player that you'd heard quite a lot about. They're talking about £60 million potential transfer for Gordon. You turn around and think, you know, is he really worth it? You look at how many goals that he scored and you think, mm, is he or isn't he? You know, is, you know are, are the teams sort of going in too early, um, too high? Um, to be fair, you know, when he played against us, I thought that he had a good game and he looked quite lively. Interestingly, you know, he had the, I think he had the most shots on goal, five shots on goal as well. And also he had the most tackles as well. So, you know, he's kind of doing both sides. He's on both sides of the fence as well. Anthony Gordon, did he impress you, Laney? Yeah, he, he did. And he's, he's impressed me pretty much every time I've seen him play. He's, he's, uh, he's, He's, he looks so comfortable on the ball, and his his control and his first touch, like, like they, 
Yeah, he, he, there is something definitely special about him. Um, he's, he's, he's quick, he's, he's difficult to, to push off, he bounces back, um, and now he seems to be sort of finding those pockets um, and having the confidence where where his teammates kind of are looking out for him. He's, he's certainly matured. Now, whether he's, whether he's a £60 million player, as you rightly said, it's, that's for the market to decide. You know, I, I personally... You know, as an observer of, of transfer fees, I, I think 60 million quid, you, you want someone kind of like world class for that kind of money. Um, I, I wouldn't put him there quite yet, but, you know, he's, he's certainly he's certainly on the radars of, of DOFs around the Premier League. And, you know, a lot of them really are really, they're real studious. They, you know, they, they're not there because they're, you know, they're good at talking about football down the pub. These guys, these guys know their stuff, and you know if they see something in him or the way he could fit into their team um, and contribute cer- certain, you know, certain other things, then uh, you know he's got a bright future. Um, I, the thing, the thing with him is he's, he's so kind of wrapped up in his in his kind of education at Everton. He's come through the ranks there. It's whether he's personally ready for that jump, and you know. Um, I think Everton clearly want to keep him because you take him out of that team, they're even they're even worse, you know. So, yeah, it'd be interesting. Maybe it's maybe it's the next window. But yeah, our question was, does he impress me? Yes, he does. He's, he's a he's a cracking little player. Yeah, he is definitely. I mean, looking at that game statistically wise, two point five seven is the XG for the Bees, 1.72. We created actually a lot of very big chances in the box. There's an argument to say that we should have put more away in that game. I mean, we talked about that again, missed chances. You know, there's at least probably five, there's five proper sort of kind of dead cert chances that maybe we should have put away according to the stats people as well. But on the other hand, we also did give Everton quite a few good chances. They had three stroke, maybe four actually very good chances in the box that they could have put away. So it could have been a 5-4 game uh, as far as it goes. I wouldn't have been too sad if it was 5-4 to be quite honest with you, which is all good. Like I said to you, 0.72, uh, 0.5, 7 to 1.72. And like I said to you, it was, um, you know, shots wise, 20 shots from the Bs to 14 to Everton. But again, it's the quality of the chances that you get and you put them in the back of the net. But at the end of the day, it was only one chance um, a piece that was put into the back of the net. I mean, this Everton game, I mean, listen, tell you what I think we need to do because we've talked about it quite a bit. Well, let's go to the the fans. Let's see what the fans had to say after the Everton game. But also, we're going to check out what the fans had to say after the Crystal Palace game. Then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about that Palace game in midweek. I didn't think Everton were all that, really. I thought we played all right, mostly. Um, They targeted the balls over the top in the first half, one which led to the goal, but we played good football. Brian had a great chance. We should have been one up. We hit the post, we hit the bar. Came and came and came. I think credit again for getting that point back. Uh, I think last year we didn't pick up enough points like that. We probably came away with nothing from a few games. So, wanted three, but probably take one. Um, I, I feel, again, that's a bit two points dropped at, uh, at the GTEC Stadium rather than uh, one point gained. Uh, Everton w- didn't look that impressive. They were there for the beating. We had at least four uh, attempts on goal which should have gone in. And really, no, I think we should be satisfied that we managed to claw one back at the, at the end. But really, I'm going to be very condescending. Possibly, we're reaching the stage where actually we have the hashtag teams like Everton, we should be beating at the stadium. I think we should have won that game. They weren't really hot. They worked so hard. And I think the interesting thing about Everton versus us today is we were, we were looking at it as one game 
and actually they played as if they were still fighting relegation and maybe that's how they'll avoid relegation and they might end up doing better than that but they were everything on the line and we just we couldn't get around them to be fair but I, oh it was just I'm just still very frustrated I'm glad we got the goal because it would have felt even worse without Mark that was a very, very energetic and frustrating watch. I, yeah, I need to lie down now. We deserved a lot more than a point, but you know the fact that we had to come back, you accept the point in the end. But no, really, we, we were the better team. We deserved three points. We never got it. That's fine. That's what happens. But frustrated all the time, wasting from Everton was really, really annoying. And uh, yeah, I mean, if we if we if we came away with nothing. There would have been a real, real frustration going on, but we're defined in the end. Time-wasting tactics of Everton, really, really negative football. From literally, like, kick-off, uh, Pickford in particular was wasting a lot of time, you know. Two balls would come on the pitch and he'd pretend to be confused about which ball and, you know, he would take his time. The crowd were counting down the um, goal kicks. He, it was very, very cynical. I haven't seen that since uh, Bree Samba with Nottingham Forest, to be honest. That was quite disappointing to see from an England goalkeeper, you know. Uh, the referee maybe could have taken a little bit more of a grip of the game. He, he, let, he let the game flow quite a lot, especially in the first half when there were actually quite obvious fouls. Um, started getting his card out second half, but it was a little bit too late by then. So overall, I am, you know, I'm happy to take a point. You know, we still are unbeaten at Fortress uh, Griffin Park. The referee, I don't, I don't normally do the referee thing. You know, I'm quite unbiased about that thing. But I did think he was a bit biased. Rubbish. Us. Yeah, he was. He was awful. But getting a draw, I think that's a good result. You no, know, we're in all the games. Yeah, we're not being battered about. So I've, I'm quite happy with it all. Christ sake, it's the Premiership. What? Yeah, you know, it's, it's ridiculous, really. Yeah. <laughs> Why are we here? But we are. You know, it's great. It feels like we're having to do the whole work every time. You know, coming from behind, every game apart from the United game, I feel we, you know, we deserve to go ahead in the first half with our domination, but, you know, lack of concentration cost us. And uh, as a group, uh, with, with, with three centre-backs out, that's maybe a good point. But I felt with that first half, the way we played, I think we deserve something from that at the very least. Uh, Mainez is so good at the back and um, the one chance came along really and he put it away. But I thought we did all right. I thought we were, we were toe-to-toe. You can't argue with it, you know. And I've been happy with the point before we started and we got it. Uh, I think we could have won it near the end, to be honest with you. But overall, I think it had been, yeah, one was probably a fair result overall. Yeah, and it's a tough place to come here. Not many people get a point from this place, but yeah, quite satisfied. A little bit gutted that we, uh, we could have nicked it, I think, near the end. But... Because we were 1-0 down to quite near the end, and we should have won it, I thought. We deserved to win that game. We dominated the first half, and I thought we restricted Palace to not many good chances. But, you know, Sahar does what Sahar does. When Sahar produced that little bit of magic, you thought, well, is it going to happen? But we kept plugging away, made our changes. The subs made a massive difference and uh, a quality goal to uh, earn us a well-deserved uh, point. I'll tell you who stood out for me, and I keep saying him every week, is, is Rico. That man, he's like two players. The guy's got an injury. He needs a drugs test after that one, I'll tell you, because he was everywhere. The guy who's on the left side and on the right side, he's tracking back. One minute he's up one end of the pitch and then he's up the next. It's just like, the guy, the guy is just incredible. Brentford chairman, Cliff Crown. I think Palace are a really good team. Um, I think a lot of clubs will come here and struggle. And we matched them throughout the whole game. Zaha had one moment of brilliance and he put it away superbly. 
and we fought back again from being down. Brilliant equaliser. We played some great football and could have nicked it in the end. So there you have it, fans. After the Everton game and the Palace game, um, we've talked about the Everton game. Let's just 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 go back to the Palace game because maybe they'll merge into the two as well because there's you know there's probably some similar factors there. Palace away from home um, Tuesday night underneath the lights. Um, yeah, trying to get a drink and run around the Palace area is not the easiest task. It has to be said. So you find Beast friends fractured all over sort of South. East London trying to find themselves a little bit of entertainment before the game um, and then you know it, Crystal Palace is one of those places where I, I really do like it is an old school stadium that has it's, it just is you know the refurbishment has taken place to a certain extent in the home ends but if you're in the away end and you ain't got there early and you've found an alternative place to where your seat is meant to be numbered you're in all sorts of trouble isn't you lady? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a that stand, the Arthur White stand, where we, where, where we, we're housed at Selhurst Park. It's, it's a bit, it's a bit old-fashioned in it, to say the least. You know, the, the view at the back's awful. Um, we were down the front on the right-hand side. That was, it was, it was poor down there as well. Um, it's a kind of, it's the kind of game you go to as a fan and not expect to see much of the game. You're going there to to sing and get behind your team it's almost like if you if you see actually if you actually see the game it's a bit of a bonus you know um i know it shouldn't be like that and we're not we're not accustomed to that um you know in this century but um that's the, that's the way it kind of is there i had a I had a really good build up to the match you know we met didn't we in um uh, east dulwich on that we had a couple of pints there headed off to peckham rye um had a couple of drinks in the social there which was quality um and there was a bit of a bit of a train fluff the you know, cancelling trains um so i made it to the game on time it was loads of queuing to get in to selhurst park as well bill there? it was it's a it's a it's a it's a it's just an awkward it's an awkward place to get to. I mean, it's not it's not our part of London. I don't really know South London particularly well, so it's all it's all a bit alien to me. But you know, it's just it's uh, you know it's it's it was just yeah it was just loads of queuing and a bit of a faff to get in. I mean, it, it, there was we you know it probably wasn't as difficult for us as it was for others, and I think it's one of those things where you know I suppose there's an argument to say that you know we we love Griffin Park. And this is the original Griffin Park because it was our ground. It was very old. It had something unique about it. And we just loved it. And we understood the nooks and crannies and we kind of put up with it. Um, you know, and I think it's probably the same thing with Crystal Palace fans for their ground. You know, they would a lot of them would say they understand the, the problems that they may have. You know, the, the, the views, the bars, the crampness, the, you know, all that kind of stuff. But they say it's our ground and it's unique and it's kind of, you know, very similar to what it was 50 or 60 years ago with a few extensions built here and there. So I suppose they will see it very differently to how other fans will see it. Maybe as Brentford fans, we'll probably see it slightly differently than to how Fulham fans and I, I say Fulham fans all because I know that Fulham fans used to hate coming to Brentford because they say, oh, it's really horrible. You, you know, it's really old. You know, oh, everyone stands up. You can't have a seat. You know, sort of things like that, which is kind of, well, this is why we, it's, it's the whole point. You know, we want to stand up, like, you know. So people have different football experiences, I think. And it can be quite hard. And, and I think with Palace, I think the, the hard thing is that if somebody comes down there, like I said to you, with, with their kids 
and they get down there late or whatever that literally their kid can't see I mean I was down there with my daughter and her friend and Bella's quite tall she's about like five foot nine five foot I think for about five foot eight five foot nine but her friend was about five foot two right and I just kept saying could you see the other goal she's like yeah yeah I can she's obviously used to it she couldn't see a thing like you know what I'm saying so I'm not sure if she saw Saha's goal I'm not sure if she wanted to see Saha's goal um but she definitely saw uh Reese's goal because that was right in front of us until about 500 people jumped on top of her when he scored because it all went completely bonkers but like you know what I'm saying so listen it, it is one of those things that I, and I can understand the frustration of people um, and I suppose you've got to ask the question what do you want I mean I suppose with, with Palace you want maybe you want it to be old school if it has to remain like that but maybe if they could just sort out the views a bit better then everyone would be a bit happier yeah well they're not going to do that are they <laughs> until, the, until, until they knock that stand down and build something else you know it's just, just that's the way it is there but you, you know you have, to, you have to go there knowing that and maybe they maybe you know they, they'll sell all the tickets to you know I wouldn't want to be uh, having you know restricted access and be stuck in the middle you know I don't mean wheelchair use I mean like if I if I had just like bad knees or something and you'd struggle you'd struggle you, you basically have to stand up during the whole game uh, in, in that which isn't a problem for us and people that want to stand up and sing and dance and do whatever during the game but there's a lot of people that for standing up for two hours would have been pretty pretty agonising but there you go that's, 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 that's the way it is there for, you know, as for the game itself um, it was you, you said it a minute ago. There was a lot of similarities with the Everton game. We we, we go a goal down, or it was later on in the game. I didn't think. I thought first half we we just looked really solid. You know, of, of course, you know when when Palace their team came out, there was a huge amount of um, attacking options there. They they set us set set up to to cause us trouble, and we, but we defended like just magnificently. Um, so we, we we looked we looked like again. I I don't I shouldn't be surprised anymore, but it just proved to me that we are in the right league and we're 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 where we deserve. And you know, in with all Palace's attacking threats and and Zaha and uh, all, all all the others that that we we had the match of them for apart from one world class piece of skill from from Zaha where he he, he killed it uh, killed it in the top corner um, apart from that I, obviously we weren't comfortable throughout you don't expect to be comfortable throughout but we looked like we were in the contest from the first minute to the last minute and in the last minute we, we could have actually and I won't say the word nick it because that looks like we, we would have it would have been deserved but we could have grabbed the, uh, a last gasp winner and I don't think that would have been uh, unjustified personally yeah I mean again talking about this game Palace they stole the ball from us a lot and also created uh, goal scoring opportunities from counters as well we created opportunities from the flanks but we actually committed a high number of individual errors Palace actually they said no significant weaknesses they attacked down our right hand side as well or down their right hand side as well and uh, we kind of <laughs> no specific style of play um, like I said to you uh, uh, Yenok came up as, uh, as in, in uh, sort of in who scored as the top rated player as well you know and then a lot of Palace players came in after that but interestingly just looking at the two matches the man of the match Everton man of the match Ivan Tony. Man of the match, runner-up David Rea, and third place was Christian Norgard. Now look at the Crystal Palace man of the match. It was um, Rico Henry, was best player. Hickey, runner-up, and third blessed was uh, Janelt. Now, 
Let's talk about Rico Henry, because in that game, I thought that Rico Henry had a... I mean, it, I thought he had a good game against uh, against Everton, right? Okay, didn't come out in the top three in the man of the match, but he, against Crystal Palace, he was it was almost like he wanted to take him on by himself, didn't he? He was just... He was outstanding. His, his start to the season has just been exceptional. Uh, it's, he's, he's doing nothing... He's doing no harm at all for pushing his way or his name forward for, again, another World Cup place. You know, it, it surely there's only a matter of time before England uh, try and try and give him a cap. Um, he deserves he deserves one on the form he's showing. The pace, the overlapping, um, you know, yes, you could, there's a question mark over his final delivery and his finishing, uh, you know, but... He could, the, that beautiful reverse pass by Ivan Tony in the in the last few minutes, where he was, you know, he, he shot, he hit the target, but the, the the goalkeeper, you know, hit his legs. You know, it's almost like Ivan Tony needed to pass to himself there and uh, and, and finish, and we probably would have, you know, we probably would have won that game. But yeah, I, 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 as you said, you know, he's he's just exceptional. He's 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 just he's, he's you know he's he's he's. he's his performance and his and his and his um, his you know his commitment is just unquestionable. Yeah, yeah, and and it's talking about it. Like I said, it's besotted global man of the match. Our global community, besotted global community. You can catch it on besotted.com forward slash global. Just check it out as well. They voted on it as well as some of the besotted crew, and we just put it out there to people, and we do it every week. And like I said, it's five matches so far, and interestingly, we've had five different best man of the matches. We've had De Silva, Jensen, Tony, me, and Henry. Um, it's interesting because we've had 10 players finish in the top three with only Janssen and Zanka in the centre-back position who are the regular starters who actually haven't featured in one, two or three out of all the players, all the regular players so far. And uh, like I said to you, um, you know, which is very, very interesting. So I don't know if that's an indicator as to kind of where people are thinking, how players are playing. I know there's going to be a big conversation about when the centre-backs are and also... Um, 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 what's his name Ethan Pinnock come back when those two come back what are we going to do with our centre-backs because we're going to be kind of overflow even though you know we've got Mads Beck who's gone out to OCG Nice we could be kind of quite overflowed with that central position especially if we're going two at the back if we're going sort of 4-3-3 you know then <laughs> then who's going to be in who's going to be out so that's going to be very very interesting and uh, you know there's also an argument to say that you know if one of those players two of those players three of those players are on the bench you know we've got strength coming off the bench as well, which is what we really, really want. Going back to the Crystal Palace match as well, Aaron Hickey, I mean, he's the other full-back. And uh, I thought he also had a tremendous game. It's almost like he's starting to come of age, isn't he? Seems to have uh, getting up to speed with what's expected in the Premier League. It's, uh, it's you know, he's a baptism of fire. Um, and as, as you just rightly said, yeah, he's getting stronger week by week. Um we obviously, you know, we're not quite sure where the cover is for left back and right back, but let's not worry about that at the moment because, you know, when we have got that full, um, full uh, bench with with all our defenders, uh, you know, match fit, we've, we've still got plenty of options there, um, and you know. Uh, Thomas Frank has been showing uh, that how how intelligent he is by using this five sub system um, and the ability to switch it up, uh, you know, mid match, late match, um, is just he, again he's coming into his own as well. Yeah, and he is, and, and again talking about the matches, 
Obviously, the Leicester match, he brought the substitutions, changed the formation. And, and Leicester. Down. And, and Leicester. Leicester. Oh, yeah, you get I gave you that one, Laney. So I uh, got the Leicester match. And then after that, we had the Man United game, which we did. The subs didn't matter in that one because we scored the goals. And then after that, which game was that? After after that one, you have to help me with this, actually. I haven't put it out myself. Um, who came in after Man, the, Man, Man United. No, we've got the Man United. I've still talked about Man United. So who's after Man United? Was, the Fulham, was that the Fulham game after Fulham, Man United? Yeah, it's Fulham, it's Fulham yeah, game Fulham. where we were 2 0 down. And, uh, and then we brought it back to two all. And there were, I think there was a substitution in there somewhere, one or two as well, you know, which may have helped that, you know. And then after the Fulham game was the, uh, was the uh, Everton, was it the Everton yeah. game, wasn't it? Where we were yeah. 1-0 down and then he bring in the substitution and Yenelt actually scored as well. So again, we've got that. And then we've got the Crystal Palace game. We've got the substitution again, which actually helped to change the game. So I'm actually just highlighting there. Thomas Frank, not only his tactical changes, but also his substitutions and his super subs. And the question I'm going to ask you there, because Wiesa up front starts the bees. Oh no, we're not quite sure. He needs to be a super sub. KLP up front starts the bees. Wiesa comes on and he scores. What is the combination or is it not the right combination? Do we have to look at something else? Do you think, Laney? Um, no, I just think the fact is we've got a stronger all-round squad, and I'm not saying it doesn't matter. But you know, when once uh, once your opposition has got used to uh, the way you're set up and um, the way you're playing, to to chuck uh, substitutes on should should do exactly that. It should it should shake things up. They they're not quite as comfortable. And the fact is, we're bringing on players now that uh, are, are 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 as good, if not better, or if not just you know, marginally not as good or just offer something else is is, is another sign of how, how strong the window's been for us. We're not just bringing on untried rookies and sort of going, go on, lads, go and make a name for yourself. We're bringing on players that we already know can, can contribute and contribute a lot. So I just think it's a, a sign of, you know, the, the strength and depth or the str- we've got more strength and depth. Right, OK. So... We are going to go over to JB with his facts and his funk because JB has got a bit more information on super subs and late, late goals. Hello, Jonathan Bertle here again. With the exception of newly promoted Fulham, the other four Premier League teams we played so far this season were all doubles last year. Leicester and Manchester United had the double victories over us. We did likewise against Everton, while both Crystal Palace games ended 0-0. None of these trends have continued into this season. With it being 0-0 at half-time, it did seem likely we could be heading for another goalless draw. Wissa's late goal ended 394 minutes of league game time since we last scored against Palace, and a first league goal at Selhurst Park since Mickey Blocks in 1962. It was Wissa's fourth goal as a substitute, drawing him level with Mark Williams and Faradel Alagui in our super sub goal scoring list. Against Leeds last season, they scored late in both games, in the fourth and fifth added minutes. In five of our six League and Cup games this season, there has been a goal in the last ten minutes. It's always worth staying to the final whistle in one of our games. So there you go, JB, talking about late goals and talking about the Leeds United game. We've got the Leeds United game coming up on Saturday. Leeds United come down to New Griffin Park. 
Uh, like I said, we met with Leeds a lot in the Championship. So we know a lot about Leeds. They know a lot about us. There's a little bit of niggle that goes on between Leeds and Brentford due to us being in the same division for seasons, being near the top. You know, you know the Ollie Watkins scenario, the Neil Malpay scenario, the whoever else it may be, whatever reason it may be, there's been all sorts of stuff going on. You know, Bamford celebrating last season and then pulling his whatever he pulled and being out for the rest of the season, celebrating a last-minute goal against us. There's all sorts of stuff that's been going on against Leeds and then they scored a last-minute goal against us at the end of the season, which uh, sort of helped to save them from relegation. Didn't In the end, I think Burnley actually saved them from relegation because Burnley couldn't actually win their final game, which they needed to do to, uh, to, uh, to save themselves from relegation. So there's all change as it's all back again at New Griffin Park on Saturday. It's a level playing field. Again, Leeds have had a very good start to the seasons. They've had some very good results. They've got their new manager or relatively new manager, Jesse Marsh, the American. He's uh, in the MLS. As you know, I follow the MLS quite a lot. So I know a little bit about the Marsh. And uh, like I said to you, he came probably with a different outlook and a different philosophy. And I think a lot of people didn't take him very seriously because he was uh, an American accent. And so they equated him to Ted Lasso. And obviously Ted Lasso is a person that went into football, if you haven't ever seen the show on Apple TV, and knew nothing about football and ended up managing a team just down the road from Brentford called Richmond FC. And uh, it's a bit of a joke. It's actually quite a good series. And I think they uh, equated him to Ted Lasso, saying he ain't got no idea about any football at all. And then he kept these up. And then they've given a few people a bit of a beating, including Chelsea, our West London rivals down the road. So I think people are sort of sitting up and thinking, hold on a second, maybe this Marsh maybe know a little bit or two about the football game. So Leeds United, Laney, looking forward to this one. Yeah, I am. Yeah, it's it's going to be a, a feisty encounter. They they always are. Um, there's there's I, I know I, I'm not I'm not going to bring last season's beef into this one. Um, I just I just I, I think it will be a, a, a decent game between two decent teams. Both both will be getting the ball down and playing. Uh, I, I don't think there'll be time wasting tactics because it's too early in the season. There's, you know, both teams will be going for the win. They've had a decent start to the campaign. We've had a decent start to the campaign, which gives them a little bit of luxury where they they can actually just you know get get the ball down and, and do their thing. They're not trying to box clever. They're not trying to out tactic. They're not trying to play it tight trying to just get a valuable point they can play with a freedom um, uh, and expression that you know uh, I was going to say lasso <laughs> wanting to but you know Marsh he's, he's a, he comes over as a, a decent guy if I'm honest with you he's, you know he, he doesn't wind me up like Bielsa he's, he's, you know, people aren't fawning all over him um, so uh, it's 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 a you know so it's a fresh start I, I, I think I think it's a game that um, it's be an open match I think it's a game that we could do well out of but it's going to be another tight one it's you know it's, it's, it could go either way to be honest definitely it could go either way I mean talk about Leeds United they're very strong attacking down the wings also at creating long shot opportunities again which is again don't talk to me about long shot opportunities I mean it, it tells you something I mean I'll talk about this and we go back to the Palace game because this long shot opportunity thing we've talked about this at the beginning we talked about this last season where I think it caught us out by surprise because we there were so many players who um, we play against teams and we do a brilliant defensive job and then you know we give the ball to one of their players on the 35 yard and we wouldn't close them down quite quick enough but you think not be funny he's 35 yards out bang back of the net Trossard you know there's all sorts of, and, and we're like oh no we've done so well this game and all of a sudden we've been caught out 
And uh, we got caught out again, obviously, by Saha. I mean, I looked at it again and I thought, you know, listen, defenders went in. People argue that Aaron Hickey maybe was a little bit late in closing him down. But I'm not being funny. I think there was two players tried to close him down, but he just got in between the two of them, put in the back of the net. He, If he shot that 95 other times, that would not have gone into the back of the net, 100%. But he did, which is great. Now, this long shot kind of opportunity thing, and I've said this a million times before, but I still ask the question is that, you know, is it just one of those things or is it something that we need to kind of like have a tactic for? Because it's almost like we're sometimes quite comfortable with players um, doing whatever they can do in certain positions because you think you're not going to be dangerous there. Uh, and if you are, you're going to take the ball and put it you know, down the wing or fr- slot a through ball and we can deal with that. But if they go bang and put the ball in the back of the net and they're very good at doing that, we seem to get caught out more often than most with that, don't we, Laney? We get caught out. Um, I don't know about mo- more than most, but um, I think it just shows that you, you, not even if you switch off, I think it's just the amount of quality there is. You know, there, there are, there are ev- every team possesses one or two outstanding players um, and they're capable of doing that and it's, it's not a fluke you know they they have the ability and skill to to put it in the top corner um, that's just just they're, they're at that level I think sometimes we play a price for having a goalkeeper that's not six for eight um, you know David Raya is an, an immense keeper uh, but he's not the tallest. I think you know another six inches. He might have got his fingertips to that that Zaha shot. But again, that's not even a criticism. I'm not criticising. I'm not saying we should get a bigger goalkeeper. You know, we 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 are we are. I, I like us just the way we are at the moment. And um, it, it's 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 don't let them shoot. And that's easier said than done. Yeah. And what I tell you the situation we were in. He was. Um, they're also good at stealing the ball from the opposition. But where they're weak is defending against skillful players and defending against through ball attacks. So again, it's interesting. It's defending against skillful players because this is the situation where you want you know Josh De Silva to step up a level. KLP if he comes in to step up a level because again KLP you know you could see flashes of him being a really really dangerous player. And obviously you have got Damsgaard as well who is obviously coming more into the floor into the fore. And he's a he's a very good player, a very skillful player, a very clever player as well. And they've had an extra. Three, three days on the training pitch as well so hopefully this will come into the fore for this game isn't it yeah and you know you look at their we, we got a, a good comparison you know last time out we were you know we we were at home to last you know last Saturday we were at home to Everton last time out they were at home to Everton we got we got the same result so you know it's, it's not like they're they're, they're like they've they've bashed them 5-0 and they've, they're, they're really um, you know on a different level to us they've got a couple more points than us they had a really strong performance and a really strong uh, result against Chelsea we've had the same against uh, um, Man United they've got that extra win um, they beat Wolves 2-1 earlier on when Wolves were you know they were struggling to get get into out of second gear so yeah, I, th- I think the start of both teams to the, to the season has been similar um, you know, uh, I, I just think you know. Again, again, it sounds like I'm stating the obvious, but we, we will create chances. We have to take if we take the chances, we will. We, there's a good chance we'll take all the points as well. Yeah, definitely. So listen, we're going to go and find out a bit more about Leeds. We're going to go to Darren from the LS11 podcast. He's going to give us all he knows about Leeds. Well, hi guys. Uh, my name's Darren Harper from the LS11 podcast. Uh, coming on to have a little chat about Leeds, Leeds, Leeds. Um, I've been 
running LS11 for around the last four and a half years with my mate Ryan, who is from a band called The Pigeon Detectives, and we were nominated for the uh, Best Sports Podcast, the British Podcast Awards, uh, about three years ago, uh, which we didn't win, but it's all about getting nominated, isn't it? No, it's not. I was absolutely devastated, but hey-ho. Um, so that's me. I've worked covering leads in different capacities on radio uh, for around about the last uh, 15 years. Um, okay, last season. Well, uh, the second season for Leeds back in the Premier League after, what, 16 years away. And uh, let's put it down to experience, shall we? Um, it was terrible. Injuries blighted the whole season with, you know, Karen Phillips out for pretty much the whole season and Patrick Bamford not firing. Leeds not bringing anybody in of note in the January transfer window, which ended up being uh, a calamity because... It was um, uh, devastating. Marcelo Bielsa, who is uh, God to Leeds fans and can do no wrong, um, was uh, unceremoniously booted out of his position and they brought in Jesse Marsh for the end, which, look, you know, it seemed to work. Maybe a change was needed at that time. Uh, it's it's difficult to say. If, if they'd have backed Bielsa in the January transfer window, would it have been slightly different for Leeds come the uh, end of the season and I you know it's all if and buts really hindsight's a wonderful thing in life but it ended up that we had to get obviously a a result in that final game against uh, you guys or at least better the uh, Burnley result Um, Newcastle uh, did us a a bit of a favour of course but um, uh, you guys you know it was a uh, pressure day really down at Brentford. It's one of those teams. Brentford are one of those teams, I think, for Leeds that have always been a bit bit sticky, uh, really. Um, so I don't think anybody went in with you know a massive amount of confidence. You know, it was oh Leeds, Leeds will just do the same again. They'll uh, the hope will be there and it'll be dashed. But it was. You know, it turned out to be quite a joyous day in the end. Felt like, you know, you're winning a trophy or something, I think, for most Leeds fans, because staying in the Premier League, it was the most un-Leeds thing to happen, really. Um, And especially your guy getting sent off after that second yellow um, was, was just... That sort of thing doesn't happen to Leeds, so it was it was uh, quite an interesting one. So fantastic that the, you know, uh, back in the Premier League for a, a third season, um, but it's it's been an interesting summer really. Um, obviously, Calvin Phillips going to Man City. Whether or not that's going to be a a good move for him, I don't know. It doesn't seem to be so far. I think he's injured already and has played only about four or five minutes. So. Rafinha going off to Barcelona. That I think that was always going to be on the cards, really. That's his, his dream club. But, you know, you're going to miss a guy like that. But Leeds have made quite a bit of money out of him. I think they paid 18, 19 million for him and sold him for around 50, if they ever actually get the money off of Barcelona. But that's a whole other story, really. But the start to this season, I think, has been pretty good. It's been uh, pretty impressive, really. Um, there's been some uh, great results. Certainly the one against Chelsea at home, where they, got to be honest with you, they absolutely battered Chelsea. Um, probably the best performance I think I've seen from Leeds. Certainly against one of those so-called top, top teams. 
for for quite a long time, uh, and I think that gave a lot of people, and probably the players as well, a lot of confidence in, you know, maybe this season might be a little different. Um, but then, you know, the bogey teams come out again. Brighton, we've never really done well down at Brighton. It's one, got a terrible beach, it's full of pebbles. I mean, that's not a beach. Secondly, it's just uh, a very sticky place, I think, for Leeds to go. They've never really done well down there. And I think Potter has them uh, set up quite well. Um, so that was a, a disappointment. Uh, I think in the last game against Everton, uh, a draw, I think Leeds would be disappointed. Um, I think the Everton supporters will be fearful of their season because if that's how their team are going to play during this season, they are going to be right down in a relegation battle. They set up just to park the bus. It was very disappointing uh, to to see a so-called such a big club play such negative, negative football and time-wasting right from the very beginning. But you know, that was their game plan. I think Leeds have got to work out a way of getting round that. Uh, so when teams come to Ellen Road and do try and shut up shop, that they're able to do something about it. I think that's going to be uh, really, really uh, difficult. Um, signings, well, you know, there's a few signings that lead to, uh, you know, quite a... The th- main thing is that they need a striker. At this point on deadline day, it looks like they're getting a guy from Marseille, uh, Diang, um, which could be very, very exciting. He's young, does seem to be uh, an exciting prospect, you know, the, in the uh, inverted commas prospect. So um, that could be uh, an interesting one. They were in for Cody Gakpo at uh, Eindhoven. It looks, looks like it's going to be maybe January if it does happen. He's staying at Eindhoven for the moment. That would have been the one that most Leeds were very, very happy, I think, really. Um, Jesse Marsh, interesting guy. Uh, a lot of people calling him Ted Lasso, obvs. But um, I think he talks a good talk, Jesse. Uh, and he was always, he was very good at talking to the media, uh, coming out. And I think, you know, there's been a few little tests and a few sort of question marks over some of his substitutions and some of his tactics in certain games. Um, but the jury is out, I think. Um, I think people will give him some time. Obviously, and, and you know, the, the old cliche, big shoes to fill after Bielsa. They are massive shoes to fill and a massive bucket that he's got to fill to sit on. Um, but I think, you know, so far, he seems to, and the, some of the players he's brought in, I think, have been very, very good, like uh, people he's worked with before, like Aronson. Aronson is an absolute baller. He is going to be superb. I think there's no doubt about that. Christensen looks pretty good couple of little wobbles here and there um but yeah no for me Aronson is the one that the key signing he looks uh superb and I, I really hope that uh you know they can build on what they've done and get staying in and sort of like I think at the moment just just something mid-table would just be lovely uh, I'd be more than happy I think for most Leeds fans just to be a, a, a more uh, just a boring season it's never going to be that uh, really it's never going to be that um, but yeah so people to look out for in Leeds I would definitely say Aronson um, Patrick Bamford looked really sharp when he came on against Everton but he's got a bit of a niggly injury so maybe that might uh, come about again and I think he got injured in the last home game against Brentford when he celebrated and did his hammy um, so I don't know uh, this weekend maybe he's fit enough to start 
Um, you've also got Joffy there, Joe Gellhart. He's a, a very, very exciting prospect again. Very, very exciting. He is a great, great player, a uh, proper baller. So he'll be one to watch out for as well. And Jack Harrison, um, I think, has started the season really, really well to the point where there's a lot of interest uh, from Newcastle um, around him. I, d I think they've declined a couple of offers already. I think he's looking like he's going to be staying. Um, as for the actual Premier League um, and top four, bottom three, well, my hometown team, Bournemouth, I think, are really, really going to struggle uh, this season. Um, I don't, I, I can't really say it's too early to say sort of like pro, real bottom three, but I think Bournemouth are going to be there or thereabouts, I reckon, um, which is uh, you know disappointing for my hometown team. But hey ho, top four, well, could be anything really, couldn't it? But uh, Arsenal look a lot better. Tottenham look a little bit better, but still prone to a mishap here and there. Liverpool uh, are eking out some results but they don't look as good as they were maybe a season and a half ago. Um, but it's Man City all the way with Haaland knocking them in for what seems like fun. I think they're going to be really, really uh, uh, difficult to top. Um, Brentford last season, I was really impressed by Brentford uh, actually last season. I think they, they play attractive football they play exciting football it's enjoyable to watch and already this season I mean beating that team from over the Pennines by four goals to nil I mean what a result uh, it was absolutely fantastic so I've got, I've got a lot of time for for Brentford um, I really loved it when Christian Eriksen came back and it was wonderful uh, to see him come back and play for Brentford uh, at the end of last season before he's moved to that other team um, but that was really, really uh, good to see. Um, I think players that concern, um, that really the one that always concerns me is Tony. I think he's a, a quality player and I think he's, he's one of those front men that can really frighten defenders. And I think if we saw how Urente uh, fared on Tuesday night against Everton, he's prone to a little mistake here and there. And I think uh, Tony can probably... Uh, pr probably get <laughs> cause him a fair few problems, I would say. Um, and your new signings, um, the only one I really know quite a bit about is obviously Ben Mee, uh, which you got, I think, from Burnley. He is a good player. Um, I think you've you've done some good business, and I, you know, it's it's the business I think you've done. And I was just speaking to Billy as well. You've done sort of very sensible business. You've not gone out and paid ridiculous money. Um, which sometimes some teams do when they go up, and I think especially when you stay in the second tier, second season, I think it's you know fans always want well you need to be spending more money now you need to be spending more money, and it's true yeah you do need to spend but there are players out there that you can get that don't cost vast amounts of money. Um, Rafinha is one of them that you know no one had really heard of Rafinha before he came and he was absolutely world class. Maybe that'll happen for Leeds uh, with uh, Dieng. Who knows? Who knows? Um, the game against Brentford itself on Saturday um, I think it'll be exciting. Um, I think it'll be tight. I think it'll be end-to-end. -end. I think there's going to be chances. Um, I don't know whether Pontus is going to be playing, but he's always a, um, always been a, he was always a Leeds favourite until right at the end when you know it was all about Pontus. Uh, but whether or not the Jansenator will be uh, be there, we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see. Um, but yeah, it's going to be an exciting game. There's no doubt about that. Score prediction, as I said to Billy on our podcast, 
I think there's going to be goals. It's going to be tight. 9-8. I'm going 9-8. Overs on the goals. Um, hope that's okay for you. Good luck after uh, Saturday afternoon, around about 5 o'clock for the rest of the season. And hopefully catch you soon. Take care. This is Darren from the LS11 podcast. And I was on their podcast as well if you want to go and check it out. Actually, I don't know if you can check it out. I think it's behind a paywall. But um, still, I was on their podcast. I speak to them pretty much every year, actually. Every time we play them, you know, if it's uh, Darren or if it's the old, uh, it's the pigeon, the Ryan from the pigeons as well. From uh, yeah, chat to him, good bloke as well. Um, like their podcast, which is all good. But anyway, Leeds United coming down on Saturday. Um, it's got a different feel to this. I don't know if it's this old sort of kind of early season thing. It just kind of doesn't have the same danger you know when you sort of play these, like Fulham we played Fulham a few weeks and normally Fulham would be like oh god you know there's the fear but because you're playing them sort of quite early the first month of the season it's almost like you know almost like if anything goes wrong it doesn't really matter because we've got months to correct it isn't it and we've got points in the bag as well you know yeah. let's, let's, it, 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 that allows you it allows you that sense of freedom you know and, and that's, that's why I, know I mentioned it about Leeds it's a different season for them they're not they're not having to kind of go oh we'll take a point now they, they'll, they'll come down and be be expecting to win and I think you know we, we go out and we expect to win as well I think it's that kind of game it'll be end to end and I'm really looking forward to it but yeah having it shows you why picking up a point at Sellers Park on, on Saturday is so important um, on Tuesday was so important again it just means you've got something out of that game and then, and if we lose it's not it's not the end of the world we're not we're not looking we're not we're not like uh, Aston Villa, who's just got one point, one win, and four defeats. You know, it, the pressure is already starting to mount there. You know, you have to win, and you know we do. We would like to win, and we, there's a good chance we will. But having to is the, that pressure's not there. No, I mean, you know, Darren talked about the players who we need to look out for Leeds United. I mean, f- f- you know, for yourself, Laney. I mean, you talked about it, saying, you know. We've got points on the table, but at the end of the day, basically all we need to do is that we, it's almost like we're chiseling ourselves up the table, even though we're sort of kind of doing all right. For me, I was happy getting a point against Everton. You know, I was happy getting a point against Palace. And to be quite honest with you, I'll be happy getting a point. I'd love to beat Leeds, but I'm happy to get a point against Leeds because until you get to this certain level, and then you can, it's almost like once you get to this level, you can start relaxing and then start enjoying yourself. You know, and they've, like I said to you, they've got, you know, they've got good players out there. Aronson, you know, he's a good player. You know, Harrison's always been a good player, um, you know, in their side, you know, James, I don't know if James is going to be around. Actually, isn't there rumours that he, about yeah? There's yeah. talking about him going off elsewhere. Whether that happens in time, we won't know. Yeah, so that might shift things a little bit. But you know, it seems that you know he's got them kind of working as a team in a very different way to what Bielsa did. Where Bielsa, and I know a lot of Leeds fans love Bielsa. You can can't say anything wrong against Bielsa but he, he he was like a whipping horse and he got them he got them just whipped them into just working in a way and they just worked like that until they were just just till they were flogged to death almost and then they kind of just kind of got over the line in some ways and again this is not disrespecting them it's just because they worked them in such a way to just work so hard and it was probably really difficult because you know stamina levels keep going whereas Jesse Marsh seems to have kind of got a sort of team bonding thing going on and you know just how we're going to play together and it's very different and they're slightly more aggressive and just trying to sort of mix it up a little bit and you know have no have no worries and if somebody tries to give it to them they'll give it back isn't it yeah yeah but I think that I think that fitness and that intensity is still there 
Um, but I just think they, they've got a, another, they've got, I have got more of a plan B about them. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to go into the Bielsa thing too deeply again. As you said, it's like talking about, you know, it's like blasph- blasphemy, isn't it, when you talk dis- dissing um, up there. But, um, you know, he only, he only played one way. And, you know, if, if, it, if that wasn't working, then he just carried on doing it. And, and you know, they were losing every week. Um, so, you know, I think, I think it needed a change. Um, but, you know, we're, we're as every bit as fit as them. You know, I, I don't think our fitness levels are, are, are kind of, you know, inferior to that. Um, I think we can go toe to toe with them. I, you know, I get it's a game I'm really looking forward to, mate. Definitely. So, listen, Laney, give us a score prediction for the Leeds game. I'm going to go for two-two draw. Oh, okay. I'm not going to go two 0 I've gone two 0 for every single game so far, and I've got all of them wrong. So this one, I'm actually going to go for a one-nil win to the mighty, mighty bees. So it's, there going you two, go. it's going to be 2 0. It? it is going to be 2 0, isn't it? So typical. <laughs> anyway, listen, this is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. Thanks for tuning in yet again. Thanks for uh, buying us a beer. Everyone who's bought us a beer, we will shout you in the very near future. Besotted.com forward slash beer. Also, Besotted Global, our little social media community in besotted.com forward slash global. You can check us out there. Don't forget to write a review. A five star review on um, iTunes actually does us the world of good, I have been told. So if you don't mind doing that, then that'll be very nice and we might even read it out someday as well uh don't forget like i said to your all good podcast channels check us out as well i'm billy grant and i've got my man laney in the house afternoon very much looking forward to the game on saturday at leeds united but that's what i was gonna say we've got to come on peace you beast let's beat the leads The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.